Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, we love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. This July 4th weekend, put down the tongs, step away from the grill, and get to Burger King to try a grilled dog for just a dollar. Ask for the dollar grilled dog deal and get a classic grilled dog for a dollar. Only at Burger King. At participating restaurants on July 2nd and 3rd, limit five per transaction while supplies last. Welcome to a weekend special edition of Real GM Radio. I'm Daniel LaRue, your host, and I wanted to do an episode with Arturo Galetti of Box Score Geeks. He and I had been talking for a little while about doing a conference finals preview, and the conference finals came a little earlier than I expected because both teams closed out their series, the Thunder and the Pacers respectively, so that means they're starting on Sunday and Monday rather than starting maybe a little bit later. So I wanted to have him on. We talked for about 40 minutes on those series and the greater questions that they ask. I think we go on some interesting discussions and tangents, including one on the Nets that I really enjoyed. So I hope you enjoy it. Also has about our predictions, and I would also encourage you to read his piece that he wrote for Box Score Geeks. You could even have it up because it hits some of the topics, and it's nice to have the numbers that he's referencing in front of you. I enjoyed the conversation just as I enjoy every conversation with him, and I hope you like it too. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Okay. So we've we've got an interesting set of series now, and I think the place to start is with the news yesterday that Serge Ibaka is likely to miss the rest of the playoffs. How does that affect how you're seeing the Western Conference Finals? See, I, I, and I've been, I was actually crunching the uh, series yesterday, and kind of getting ready. I always put a post up with like the odds and and, and how it's going to look and. Like, my initial conclusion without the uh, Ibaka injury was, like, you know, again, the, I think the Spurs, one, one thing people need to keep in mind about Spurs is they haven't played anybody more than 33 minutes a game in the playoffs. And, and for those, that, that's that's a historically low number. That's that's basically Pop saying, look, I'm just, I don't care if it's the playoffs, I'm going to keep playing my regular season rotation because I, I don't need to play as hard to beat these teams. And it means that they're, like, even though they're, right now, if you, if you look at the numbers, they still look like the best team, clearly the best team in the in the, in the league, but they're also kind of not, you know, they, they've got a whole other gear they can go to, which they haven't gone to in the playoffs. And what I kind of figured was, 
the whole key was whether or not Oklahoma was going to get you know calls fit going their way as they did in the uh, in the in the Clippers series and, and a bit of the Memphis series. And then I said, look, San Antonio should be should beat this team in five, but I think it's going to go it's like I think it's going to continue to go there with like Oklahoma's way. So I think it goes seven. I think San Antonio still wins, but it goes seven. And I think also Pop. You know, I think sneakily, I think Pop, if given the chance, will rest his guys and, like, quit on games. I think he, he kind of bailed a little bit on that game four where he lost in Portland, where he just, just sits people down. Now, the thing is, when you take Ibaka out, Ibaka, I have Ibaka as their most valuable player for the playoffs. And, and, and if you think about the series that they've played and you think about what he's had to do, which is, you know, take out Mark and Zebo in the first round and then, like, control Blake – and uh, and help with DeAndre. I mean, he's been key. He's been great. He stretches the offense, gives them another option, and lets them go with that rotation where they're not playing Perk, and it's a much more favorable rotation. When you take Ibaka out of the equation, then it's a real problem against any of the teams that are left in the playoffs. I mean, all the other teams can go big and just kill you. And, and, and you start thinking about it. Okay, so you take Ibaka out. So that means the Spurs can just go to, like, either Thiago and Duncan. And basically, like, you know, the, the OKC is left with uh, Perkins to cover for that, or, like, the rookie and Steve Adams or Nick Collins. And these guys are not going to get the calls in, the, in, the, in, in that. And I think also, like, Perkins better against, like, a, a – I was saying this to somebody yesterday. It's like he's better against an athlete as opposed to, like, skilled big men. And, like, what the Spurs have are skilled big men. They're going to get him into trouble. So it, it's bad. And then, like, even, even Diaw. Even Diaw is a terrible matchup now because Diaw can actually move and pass the ball – so you put him in the post, and then like you know, I mean, I think I think Oklahoma's going to have problems keeping somebody in front of the rim, and and not even just because they're not going to try, it's just because they're going to get into foul trouble, and 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 it, it's a terrible thing to have happen against the Spurs because that means you know you're going to have to collapse on the post, and all of these Spurs shooters are going to have open looks, and if by some miracle they they manage to get past the Spurs, which I think is a huge long shot now, I mean like what do you do against who covers LeBron in the finals? I mean, what do you do? Are you going to put KD on him? I mean, like, that's the other thing. KD's going to have to, like, cover, have some real rotations on defense. He's not going to be able to hide. And, I mean, like, it drains on you, particularly, like, you know, they're, they're, if I'm if I'm Pop, and, and I think Pop is smart enough to realize this, he's going, he's posting up Durant every chance he to just tire him out. And, and again, it, it, I thought Westbrook could, like, help uh, OKC stretch the series out, but I was kind of counting on the not being able to kind of, you know, double down on uh, on on KD at will, and and again, you you got to play Perk. He's not an offensive threat. You probably are going to end up playing Caron and Butler, and I think the Spurs will live with him shooting. So it's a really bad thing for Oklahoma that they lost uh, Ibaka. I, I think it's 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 more impactful than losing Russell Westbrook last season. Wow, and yeah, and you can definitely see that also. You know, one of the ways that you can think about missing a player, or adding a player, is What's replacing them? And I think that is what you said with Serge Ibaka. You're losing some things with him that you can't get with his replacements. His mid-range scoring as well is really nice with his defensive ability. And the versatility defensively that he gives them, you talked about that with who's going to guard LeBron, but also it compounds that because then who's going to guard Wade? I mean, maybe you put Westbrook on him if they made it that far. But it it just, it, it all cascades off each other. Well, think about think about the think about the guard situation. Like I was thinking, like OKC, like San, San Antonio. Really, one of the sneaky things Pop has done is Pop really hasn't had Thiago and Kawhi Leonard on the on the court at the same time versus OKC the entire season. And when I say sneaky, because I mean then he just goes he goes Thiago on on he goes Thiago on on Ibaka 
and he goes Leonard on 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 KD, who's done a great job whenever he's he's been on him, and then it's all on Russ, right? So basically, then you're all on Russ. But if you take out Ibaka, which means you you know what do you do? you know small, then you, then you basically use Tiago and Cowie, and just basically kind of switch them whenever you want on uh, on Durant. And you can even use Leonard on on Westbrook, and then like you know, if, or like you can use Danny Green on Westbrook as well. So it, defensively, it means that the Spurs have extra defenders to use on like the uh, the key uh, matchups for uh, OKC, and then you're like kind of relying on all the uh, the other guys for OKC to beat you. And the other guys for OKC are not that great, right? So like the the, the Spurs have the luxury of having like these world class defenders. And, and, like, people kind of, like, sleep on the fact that, like, Thiago Splitter has done a fantastic job on defense in the playoffs. I mean, he had he had Dirk have his worst series, like, his worst playoff series of his life. He, like, if you look at, at LaMarcus Aldridge, like, first round versus second round, LaMarcus Aldridge, got, like, got, like, just didn't do anything. He was, like, you know, if, if you look at the numbers, he was the worst guy on the on the, on the Trailblazers in that second round series. And I think it's not on him. It's on the fact that, like, you know, Splitter just did a fantastic job on defense on him. And, again, if, if you put this together against what OKC is rolling out there, it's a real problem. And, and I, was, I was reading somebody saying, like, you know, oh, the Spurs should go small. Like the, uh, the Thunder should go small. It's like the Spurs are a terrible team for you to go small against. I mean, like, unless you have LeBron James going to the four, it, it's a terrible idea because if you go small, I mean, like, like Splitter has a problem finishing against, like, some of the big dudes. But Splitter, if you put another size, like if you put if you put Durant on Splitter, Splitter is gonna score on the post on, and and he's gonna and he's gonna like basically beat up on uh, on on uh, on Kevin. Like Kevin's not LeBron. Yeah, he he certainly isn't. And the other thing that I've been thinking about a lot, I got into a discussion with people about this on Twitter yesterday, is that people have compared this to the 2012 series, which makes sense. It was the last time they faced each other in the playoffs. But to me, since that time, the Thunder have gotten less dangerous, but even before the Ibaka injury, and the Spurs have gotten substantially more dangerous, which I think is what kind of dictates a lot of this part of the series. I think another thing that's key is, one of the things that was deceptive about that 2012 Spurs team is, like, you don't think about that 2012 Spurs team as an inexperienced team, but you really should, because the guys getting the minutes on that team were Danny Green, Thiago, and Leonard. And that was their first, like, prime-time playoff series. And, and, and Leonard was great. Leonard's always been great. But Thiago and Danny Green and some of the other guys kind of faded. And it was kind of like, for them, as a growing experience. Now, they came back the next year, and they were mu- much better. You know, and, and I think at this point, we don't expect Thiago or Danny Green or, like, these guys have been to the finals. I mean, these guys have been in, like, an all-time finals. And they're not going to fade. Whereas... A lot of the younger, uh, like, uh, OKC guys weren't there. So, and, and, and really, this series, like, OKC without Ibaka has to rely on those guys. And, and, and I, mean, I, I mean, I love Steve Adams, but Steve, Steve Adams is not getting the calls he was getting against Blake Griffin and, and, and DeAndre Jordan. And, and you know, there were reasons, and, and the best explanation was, like, I heard from, uh, from a Spurs fan that said that basically, like, the league just really didn't want the Clippers going any further because they didn't want to have the conversation around Sterling just stay on the news cycle. But, you know, Adams and Collinson are not getting the calls they were getting in the previous series in this one. So it's flipped, you know. James Harden was the key player in that series. Now, I mean, Reggie Jackson does a decent job on the uh, – or has done a decent job against the Spurs in the regular season. But this is the Western Conference Finals. It's not the regular season. And, and I have this feeling that it's got to be one of those situations, like you remember Harden in the finals, where, like, it wasn't that Harden was playing different – 
it was that Harden was like doing all these plays and not getting the calls because he was playing Miami in the finals, right? And I think this is kind of the same thing that's going to happen. I think also the, the, the other underrated thing is like Tony being banged up. Now, Tony, Tony Parker was actually playing as, as well as he, as he has since the finals last year. But Patty Mills actually has been a really good player for the Spurs this year, and I think Patty can make a real difference in in in, in what it is. So I think I think the Patty they've actually played really well with him, and I think that's another thing that make a difference. But I think again the whole thing kind of rests on the fact that like you know OKC has one less player you have to cover, and and again you, you OKC also like lost their rim protector, so kind of you know you're you're it's perk and and and, and you know that's not good particularly in this series. Yeah, it, it's definitely a complicated situation. The other thing I, I, that I think you, you hit on a little bit, and I wanted to emphasize a little bit more, is that 2012 was such an interesting playoffs, and I think a lot of people have forgotten how great James Harden was in that Western Conference Finals because of how he faded. And as you said, I think a lot of that was officiating centered in the finals, but he was absolutely fabulous in that series against the Spurs. And they don't have anybody who can really replace that, and also the fact that he was properly sized for his position. And from what I recall, his defense in that series wasn't atrocious either. Yeah, I mean, I think to to, to give people a more recent example, uh, I mean, you watch you watch the Clippers all season, right? Of course, yeah, absolutely. Did you think that Blake Griffin was playing like was he playing a different style of the playoffs than he was playing the regular season? I think that they had him initiate a lot less, which was interesting well, because. Chris just dominated a little bit more. Well, but he was, he was, like, the, the problem was, like, he was going at the basket the same way, but he just wasn't getting the calls, right? I mean, it's, 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 I mean, Blake was getting hit, and, and, and it's the kind of thing that if you saw him in the regular season, he'd get a lot more calls, and I think, you know, Dog kind of has to go away from it, because if you're, if you're going to a certain play, and you're not getting the calls or it's going the other way, then you have to stop it, and it can change how a team does things, and I think that's, you know, and, and it was clear when you... It happened hard in the 2012 finals where, like, you know, he was doing things that he was used to getting the calls. And if you're used to getting the calls on something, you, you've got this muscle memory that just makes you a liability. I mean, we saw that happen. I was arguing with somebody about the uh, – on the Chris Paul play where he gets – where Westbrook gets a steal, right? So I'm sorry I'm bringing back to that. But, like, you can see that Chris Paul clearly thinks he's going to get a foul call on that because it's a – like, you know, it's – they're down to – he thinks, okay, C's coming to give me a quick foul, Right. And I'm gonna like once he once Westbrook comes over and hits me, I'm gonna pretend to shoot so maybe I can get three free throws. It's it's it, it's his muscle memory. And then he realizes, oh crap, they didn't call the foul like they always do. This is a live ball which I just threw away. Let me run after it, right? But the officiating and the change in how things are called can really kill a guy because again, if you're used to doing something a certain way and all of a sudden you're not getting the same results, it can really screw you up. And I think that's. That's kind of a little bit what you see in terms of the growing pains. And again, it also happens that like you know when you're a younger team or when you're a newer guy doing this, or you like that, you're just not going to get the calls, particularly in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a very good point. And also, what's kind of in a way, if you want to call it scary, with we're talking about with the Thunder without Ibaka, is what is Scotty Brooks going to do with their rotations? Because obviously, somebody's going to need to get those minutes. So Adams might get some, which I think is a positive, but. Some of those might go to Lamb or to Butler, and all of those options seem exploitable for the Spurs. You've watched you've watched uh, Scotty Brooks in the playoffs before, right? Lots and lots of it. Yeah. So who does he typically go when he has minutes? Uh, he has extra minutes because of something. Who does who typically gets them? It's Perkin Fish. It's Perky yeah, Fish. Perky Fish. It's Perky Fish. That's that he's comfortable with. 
Yeah, so that's and, and those he's, guys. And he's going to go perky fish. And here's the thing. like Actually, fish has not been terrible, and he's not terrible in certain situations. Against the Spurs, he's terrible. Because the problem is, like, like what you don't want is you don't want, like, fish, like, defending on the pick and roll. And, like, the Spurs, like, you know, like, if you put fish out there, Pappas is going to go at him. Like, and you'll see, like, Manu, like, go off for a game, or you'll see, like, you know, the Spur, other Spur guards just go off. And, you know, I think the best bet, honestly, would be for him to go, you know, go Reggie and uh, Karan, or the two, the two guys he should go to. He's going to have to use Perk, because if he doesn't have Perk out there, then he's going to have, like, you know, you're going to have Collison and, and, uh, and Adams kind of, you know, getting manhandled in the post, uh, like you know, if if he's if he like if when, once Perks gets in foul trouble, and you and you've got Adams and Collison out there, then 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 Pop can go to Dial in the post, and he kind of likes going to Dial, and Dial is actually kind of people joke about Dial, but Dial, if you put a certain type of guy on Dial, he's really effective, and 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 when he when he starts being effective, then this is like typically think about this in the season when like Dial starts being effective, those are the games that turn into laughers for the Spurs. Because, like, you know, the, the, everything collapses. Like, DL can actually dribble up the ball. Like, can he actually move because he used to be a point guard. So it actually just makes things just really bad. And, again, as I said, it, it's a really bad kind of combo. It's like because he really does have to rely on Karan Butler. He's going to have to rely on Karan Butler a hell of a whole lot in this series. Yeah, he's, he's definitely going to have to do that. And then the other thing, we, we've alluded to it, but people talk about the differences between the two series is that I feel like Kawhi has grown a lot as a player and that just having him on Durant is something that the Thunder haven't seen yet. I mean, think about the the Clippers don't have a perimeter defender in that way. And Tony Allen gave gave him fits, gave Durant fits, and Kawhi should be even better than that, I would hope. Yeah, I would say right now Kawhi, Kawhi and people don't don't realize it, but he, I would say he's the best perimeter defender there is. I mean, it used to be Iggy. But I think Iguodala, like he, he stepped off a little bit because of injury. But I think Leonard, over the last 24 months, has proven that he can basically guard anybody. And I think, as I said, I think he takes Durant out of the series. And then, you know, then you're kind of, are you are we going to get good Westbrook or bad Westbrook? If they get bad Westbrook, this thing is over in four. If they get good Westbrook, then it extends out. But again, I was counting on the fact it wouldn't. It, this is again the Ibaka injury is so bad because this means that like the Spurs can do stuff both on KD. They can take they can take, take KD and Westbrook away, and then say you know we're, we're, these guys aren't going to beat us. Everybody else has to. And man, I just I just can't see it. You know it, it's it's right now. Let me let me throw you a hypothetical. So the Thunder without Ibaka versus the Blazers. What would you pick? And let's assume like the Thunder have like home court advantage. What would you pick? I I would pick the Thunder, but it would be in a long series. It would be six or seven. The Thunder versus without Ibaka versus the Grizzlies. Who wins? I think the Grizzlies do. Yeah. I do, think do they, that they, they, they don't, without Ibaka they don't they don't get out of the first round. They don't beat the Clippers without Ibaka, right? Because I think like Blake feasts, and and so it's it's basically this is a I mean as I said he was to me. And based on the numbers, he was the MVP for that team. And, and, like, people don't kind of value rim protection as much as they should. And he's their guy who's, like, handling, like, the big man, the, the, the offensive threat for the other team. And you take that out, and, it, you know, then it becomes kind of – this is like Houston light, really. Like, really, they, they kind of become Houston in a way. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. So 
I know how you phrase these things on your site sometimes in terms of the most likely result and the second most likely result. Is it? Am I correct that you're saying uh, Spurs in seven and Spurs in five? No, it's actually the other way around. Like, so before the Ibaka injury, I had it. It was five, then seven. I think now, and again, I haven't run the numbers without the, with the Ibaka injury, but I think it's going to be more like five and four because that that's how big of a mismatch it's going to see it as. It's going to see it basically like – so basically I, I'm pretty sure when I run the numbers, it's going to say that the, the, the Thunder without Ibaka are about – are very similar in terms of like their strength as the Blazers. And I think, again, the, they have more experience than the Blazers. I think they're going to get the calls more. But five is probably the sweet spot for the series, and, and people are gonna hate. But I mean, like this is this is not hate on, on the Thunder. This is the this is love on Ibaka. You know, I think I think the the last point I wanted to make was the fact that I mean, right now basically the the the, the Thunder look like you know uh, a middle tier or a lower tier uh, Western Conference team without Ibaka, and a Western a lower a lower tier team would be expected to lose either in four and five to the Spurs, and some people shouldn't be surprised that that's how the series is going to look like. And and you were making a great point, which is like, which team is which team do you feel is more dangerous now than in 2012? And, I, and the answer is clearly the Spurs. The Spurs are a lot more dangerous, a lot more uh, complete, you know. And, and and people, you know, they they have this look, they have this extra gear, which you know, Miami. People used to talk about Miami having it, but like, you know, if you think about this playoffs team that, like, you know, all of a sudden like reels off twenty points and like takes somebody out of the game, has really been the Spurs are the ones who've been doing that. Yeah, that's a really good point, and yeah, and it's going to be interesting also to see this Thunder team has already come from behind, but to see how that happens, you know, how they react to everything. Let's say they're down two nothing or three one in the series, and they fall behind by 10 to 15 points can they rally and make it all the way back yeah and again they're gonna have a real time getting stops right and, and i think that's what's lost i mean how do you make a comeback if you can't get stops in the post and i think you know my it's like spurs are really really good about getting in the penalty and getting into the post and getting to the line and yeah again i don't see how you if you're 15 if the Spurs are 15 points up on them, I don't know how they come back because I mean the Spurs can just keep like attacking the post and attacking these 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 young bigs and it's going to be a real problem. I mean, I, I mean I, the Spurs have problems with the with the Mavs and in that series the big deal was the fact that like you know the the, the Mavs bigs played out of their head, particularly like Dwan Blair, and it was because those bigs were like much better than they've been the entire season, but but that's not there and and I think that's that that. that Kind of like you know, I mean, I think it's. I've been saying Spurs Heat for the entire season, and you know, I I, I really haven't changed. I, I haven't seen any reason to change at any point in the uh, in the entire season, and I, this hasn't changed now. I mean, again, I thought I, I was debating whether or not like the 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 uh, Lakers like uh, referee advantage I was seeing with OKC was going to be make a difference, but you know, again, if you take away your key big man, then it it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and let's move on to the Eastern Conference, which thankfully at this point is not marred by injury, but it is in a way marred by the inconsistency of the Pacers. How do you and your models sort out the fact that we don't know what Pacers team we're going to see any given quarter? Well, and again, I think, let me ask you a question. So basically, you just saw, you just saw this first, sorry, this Pacers team go one and two versus the Wizards at home, 
right? And they just went seven games with the Hawks. Now, does that lead you to think that this is a team that can win the NBA title? Not in the slightest. And what I was thinking about is there's a lot of variance when we're talking about the Pacers in terms of their play. And I was thinking about how close they have to be to their ceiling to beat Miami. Well, and, and like, that's the difference. And here's the thing. I mean, like, you and I, I mean, I know that I've watched a hell of a lot of, of, of Wizards game. And I'm sure you have, too, as well. And, and, and again, it, the Wizards are a team where, like, you watch them. And, man, I mean, they, they really, and I saw this with somebody, it's like, they've got, I mean, if you think about the top five they have, every, every one of them is confident on offense, and you have to guard every one of those five guys. And, you know, they, there are things that really work in that offense, and for whatever reason, you know, I, I was telling somebody, it's like Street Fighter, you know, it's like, if you ever played Street Fighter, you know, there's the Fireball and the Shuriken, right? And for whatever reason, Randy Whitman doesn't, wants to beat you with, like, Sweep Kick. He doesn't, he doesn't want to use the, the, the Fireball. He's like he's too cool to use a shuriken over and over again, and you know it's like you've got Nene, go to Nene in the post. You've got Beal, have Beal shoot three pointers. You've got Ariza who can hit the three. You got Wall who can dive the hoop, but, but, but they don't do that. And and you see it. And I was like watching them come back against the Pacers, and I knew they were going to come back and then blow it because they were going to get stupid. Like for whatever reason, it's like yeah, I've got a randomizer, and the randomizer says I can't run the plays that work and just keep running them. And, you know, I think a lot of that series was it was more that the the Wizards were inexperienced and did dumb things than the Pacers were dominant. I mean, there was the one game where they were really dominant. But again, even that one, you know, for whatever reason, in the middle of the series, Randy Whitman said, like, you know what? I'm not going to play my big man. So I played all this money to get Gortat, and I'm not going to play him. I'm going to play Al Harrington and, and Drew Wood. And I'm like, you know, it's like they went back to Gortat, and Gortat was amazing. You know, he exploded in game five. So, like, why didn't you just play the big man, right? It's like, play your center, right? What's the, what's, but, but, you know, that's the Wizards who are done now. Like, I mean, I think that's a good, hopefully they'll get better and hopefully they'll get some experience and, and do that. But I didn't see anything from, from the Pacers that said to me, like, you know, this is a team that can win a championship. I mean, I, I saw nothing that, that doesn't lead me to think that the, 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 the Heat are basically, you know, if they're paying attention, they're going to basically beat them off the court. Now, I think, again, I think the league, you know, there'll they'll be one game where, like, everything will swing Indiana's way. But but even, I mean, I, I can't see them, like, mustering up enough to, to, to like, make it a really competitive series. I mean, they, they just haven't shown it. I mean, they, they, they really, you know, they, they, they haven't shown to me that they're, like, an elite-level team. And they've been playing, they've been playing like, a 41 team in the East. Right? That's that's what they've been for the last six, like for this year since, since the year began, and you know I mean and Hibbert's shown flashes, but I think a lot of that has to do with the opposition. I mean I don't think that he's gonna be like a force in this series, and I I mean I just I just I just you know I I think that the Heat have already faced their biggest challenge to get to the finals. I think the I think the Nets are a better team than the than the uh, than the Pacers were. Which is like somebody was saying, like I don't understand why the Nets like did all they could to avoid Indiana in the uh, and, and like not face the Heat in the uh, in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. But again, that's you know who can understand when they do that kind of thing. Well, yeah, I mean the other part of that is that not only did they avoid Indiana and get Miami, but they also avoided the Bulls, Bulls. and got the Raptors, and that they nearly lost that series. I mean, we saw how close that was, mm. and. The, the other challenge, the way that I, I think about the Pacers, people have talked about how they're hard to figure out, and at certain points they are, but the big challenge with them is that 
when they were building that team, basically every decision that was made, they chose defense over offense, and they don't have the players to sustain an offense because they don't have a guy who can run one, and they don't really have anybody else who's particularly strong at creating for himself or others. I guess David West is solid at points and Lance every once in a while. But they the, the challenge is, even when their offense is humming, it's not great. And against a team like Miami that can do it on both ends, they'll try to take out your offense, and they'll be good enough on offense to make it that you have to do really well. Yeah, you're not – I mean, like, LeBron's been playing at a different level uh, in the last uh, – you know, he's been kind of, okay, now I'm going to play. And, and and I think when he's playing at that level, that you, you're not taking him out. And I think the the other thing for that Indiana team is like – and I got killed for this, right? But it was like, oh, no, no, they – you know, people were just like, oh, they went out and got goal and they made their bench better. They didn't make their bench better. They make the bench worse. They had – they they used to have better guys on the bench than they actually do now. I mean, like like Psycho T was better than anybody they've got on the bench now. And I think that you know if you're if you're bringing Evan Turner off the bench and and you're bringing you know all these guys and it, it's a big problem. And I think you the Pacers' strength was their top five was really great, right? And their top five was very consistent and really great. And once that went away, then you know you you, you start you have real problems and and. I come back to the fact that if you put the if you put Indiana in a series against any team in the West, any team, any of the eight seeds, and probably a couple of the teams that actually didn't make it in, they don't win, right? They they, they could have gotten out of the first round. Hell, I don't know. I don't even I don't even think they could have taken a first round series in the West like six games, because I, I mean, like who would who would you think that would be the most good? Like what you, you think Dallas is losing would have lost this Indiana team? I don't think Dallas was in this Indiana team. I don't think Memphis. I mean, I, I think Memphis like laughs them off the court. So I mean, it's it's. I think Houston beats them. So like, if you go by that test, I mean, you know, I think Miami just. You know, the biggest worry for Miami was are they going to be able to be healthy and survive the grind in the East? And everything's broken Miami's way. Now I still think. They'll get beat by whoever actually makes it out in the West. I think it, I think it's going to be the Spurs, and I think the Spurs get revenge. But I mean, I think you know again they have he'd have LeBron James, so they could end up just winning on the fact that LeBron says I'm going to win four of these games, and you're not going to stop me. But again, I don't think that he, I mean I could be wrong, but I think that Indiana team that we saw at the beginning of the year was a mirage, and I think that everything that we've seen since then just leads us to think you know. They're 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 the second best team in a really bad conference, right? And 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 really they're the second best team because they had home court advantage, right? And and that's that's what I come back to. And, I, and I, it's, again, I I think we're gonna the finals are gonna be here sooner rather than later. I think both these series, especially with the Ivaca injury, especially what we've seen from the Pacers, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if these things go five. And 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 and, and really they're not that great. I think we 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 have a quorum of uh, a number of uh, a quota for great series. In the playoffs, and we got them all in round one, right? I think we got them all in round one, and we'll get we'll get one in the finals. But everything else is 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 not been that great. I mean, I I did you enjoy round two? Not particularly. I think the Clippers Thunder series I think was marred by the officiating to a point. I think that it had the potential to be that series, but it was just it was also weird basketball. There were things about it that bothered me. All the other series were just disastrous. Well, I mean, again, I think the, the, the Blazers were a year too early, right? I, I think that they, they needed the experience, but they weren't ready for what the what the Spurs – I mean, like, the, the Blazers were, you know, a scrappy team getting there. The Spurs are basically – have the look of a team that, like, goes out after games and before games and watches the last two minutes of game six of the finals, right? 
they watch that play and it's in their brains and they're just they're they're not they're not having it. So if you look at that, that's they just weren't ready for it. And I think, but it was a good experience for them to actually like get better and like continue to grow. I think again, I think the Blazers are going to be a good team going forward. I think this is a good experience for them. I think if you think about, you know, as I said, the the, the, the Thunder Clippers series could have been a great series, but I think, you know, I think it, it's almost like if people. People will say, like, you know, conspiracy theorists and whatnot. I don't think it's conspiracy. I mean, I think everybody in the league, right, wanted to get Sterling. They, they just they just didn't want the Clippers there, right? It, it was just like, we don't want to have to talk about this anymore. And it, and it kind of plays. Like, when you're complaining about this and you're having this issue, it plays. And it, I think it influenced what was actually going on in this series because, you know, I was – you know, you, you watch a lot of basketball like I do, and I was there. Were, there were moments in that Clippers Thunder series where I was just stunned. I was like, "What the hell?" I mean, like, like how did this sequence of events just happen? Why? I mean, like, you know, the, the, the there's the cognitive the, what, what cognitive cognitive dissonances. Like, I'm watching something and I'm expecting something to happen, and it's not. And it was really kind of, you know, you know, stunning. And it, it's kind of where people will point at. I hate a series like that because it's like the kind of thing where like. You know that's what can be wrong where 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 the NBA becomes wrestling, and it really shouldn't. And 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 that really could have been a really good series. You had you know you had a top three MVP guy. You had one of the top three players alive in the, on the Clippers. You had two of the you know one of the two best players alive on the other side, and then probably you know depending on what you think of Westbrook, either a top ten or a top twenty guy. And then like you know just going at each other. And this really could have been a wide open like high scoring, great series, but. You know, they, they, they never let it develop. And I think, again, Indiana-Washington was like, you know, it, it was exciting, but it was it, it was kind of, as I said, the highlight is, you know, Washington is does dumb things, and that's that's the story for the year. And that makes it kind of off-putting because you, you, you know that they're going to do something stupid, right? And then you, you've got the, the Pacers in the smiley, so it wasn't exciting. And I think I, I think the problem, with the, the problem with the Heat and the, uh, and the Nets, and I think it, it's kind of apparent to the Nets, is, you know they, they've got a they've got a good team on that on that Nets roster, but it's just not the guys they're actually paying, right? Do, do you know what I mean by that? I do. It was really shocking in a way to see how well their supporting players, you know, the guys who make less than five million, let's put it that way, how well those guys were playing for the Nets, but how many guys? And you think about even that they weren't getting anything from Brook Lopez. I mean, it's well, just incredible. What's interesting with and if you look at the research on, uh, if you research a little bit on uh, on their owner Prokhorov, Prokhorov owns CKSA Moscow and I think a couple other. Uh, so he's not a guy who doesn't know basketball and does like he has people around him who know the game, right? They they like for those who don't know, CKSA Moscow is the old Army Moscow team, and it's a really good European uh, pro franchise. So he he has people around him that know the game. So it's not surprising to me that they have these guys, like the guys they're picking in Sillery, like the guys who the organization is picking are really interesting and really decent. And like, you know, Sean Livingston has been good and a couple of the other guys on that team are good. So, you know, I, I really do think that like the, the, the end game is that like much like, you know, Man City kind of has upended a little bit Man U in, in, in soccer. And I'm doing that because I'm watching the FA Cup starting. But but I think I think Brooklyn is going to kind of be the better team because they have they, People who know what they're doing. I think the problem is that they spend, and the guys they they kind of spent the money on, like Theron, are a bad fit because right now, and really you, you'd rather play Sean and Joe Johnson, and what's it's Alan Anderson's the other uh, the other shooting guard on that team, right? 
Yeah, Alan Anderson, and then if you were talking about the cheap guys, you could also throw in Blotch and Kirilenko. Yeah, but and the guys, the cheap guys, I mean, you're, you're almost like, you, you know, you kind of want to move all these guys because, like, the other guys on that team are actually kind of good, and then you can spend the money on something interesting. And, you know, I don't know what the future is for Deron Williams, but, you know, he just wasn't any good. And and if you're in a playoff series and you've got, like, Mario Chalmers in front of you and you can't do anything with that, then wow. I mean, this is not this is nothing on this is nothing on Mario. But I think we we, we both know that Mario will, will will help you shine sometimes, right? And, and Duran was just out and out terrible. I mean, I think Joe Johnson was great, and Joe Johnson, weirdly, Joe Johnson, who people like, they they killed that 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 salary. But I mean, I think of he's it's actually not that bad. I mean, if if you had a decent team around him, and if Joe Johnson is going to be your big man, that like your uh, He's gonna be your uh, your guard that posts people up a la, a la Kobe and and like gets all these points against all these small guards. That's actually a thing now in this league because like every team has all these small guards, and so Joe Joe Johnson can basically feast in the playoffs. Like think about it is is there a team in the playoffs where Joe Johnson like left in the playoffs where Joe Johnson couldn't post up their guards? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think. I don't I don't think there's one left that has that strong. I, th- I think the the Spurs could counter it by putting Kawhi on him, but that but then, it wouldn't. But then you have to put Kawhi on him, right? So it's like then you then you got to take your best defender and put him on a guard, and like if you've got anybody next to him, just feast a little bit, right? So I yeah. mean, it, it's it's sort of like or 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 if you were in Oklahoma, you got to put you got to put Westbrook on him and get Westbrook beat up, right? So it's Joe Johnson is actually and this is like stunning, but he's actually you know the the least bad of like these bad contracts that have been signed the last like five or ten. I mean, particularly like he's playing in, in in on a New York team that doesn't really care too much about money, so it ends up that like he's the least terrible. He's the guy I would I would keep on that team. So you keep Joe Johnson, you keep the cheap guys, and then you you know you hope Brooke Lopez gets back, and you see what you can get for Duran and uh, and Pierce, right? What I think about Darren is the idea actually very similar to the Warriors with David Lee, and there so there are two questions. One question is: Are there teams that view him and the combination of Darren Williams and his contract as an asset? And then the second question is. If they do it that way, does management view Williams the same way that we do? And would they be willing, if there is a team that sees him as an asset, are they willing to make that trade to get something lesser in return than maybe his value to them? And it's a really interesting question. But I saw a story saying that they were looking to trade him. I, I, I saw a story somewhere that was saying that they were looking to do it. And, and it makes sense because, I mean, Sean Livingston, and again, Sean Livingston has always been a good uh, a good player. The problem with Livingston was like he, he basically like you know he he had a catastrophic leg injury, right? So and and that you know he was good when he was with Clippers. He he was a key part when they were good. Bef- the the four Clippers that were good and gotten hurt. So he's a guy that like you know they very smart for them to like you know take a chance on him and bring him back. And, and if he's healthy, he's a good kid and a good player. And he's also really cheap. And I think the you mentioned David Lee. I think again. I think people. David Lee is not a rim protector, but if you put Lee next to an effective rim protector, which Bogut is, then David Lee is a lot more valuable, right? So, and I think that's David Lee is a guy who who worked for you in a certain type of situation, and really, you know, we can't we can't blame David Lee for the fact that you know if if if, you, if your idea is put David Lee left to a rim protector, it's a good one, but if your rim protector is also injury prone, then well, that's a problem, right? But but. Uh, I would, 
I would say that, like, at this point, I would much rather have, the, like, David Lee than Deron Williams. That's interesting. I think that says a, I think that says a lot about Williams because while Lee, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think you're right though, and I think this applies to both guys. Is you know, a lot of the NBA is about circumstance, and you know, it's about getting in the right situation and everything like that. And we've, I think we've seen some teams and some GMs not see that how important context is, and you know, putting guys in the right situation to succeed. And at certain situations, it's coaches as well. And then you see the teams that are at the top, and I would say that's Miami and San Antonio and, to a degree, Oklahoma City when they're healthy, that have done a much better job of that. And maybe in some ways that's even the bigger market inefficiency is just making sure to think about a guy like Marco Bellinelli or Patty Mills, you know, developing guys and putting them in the right situation to succeed. I'm actually going to speak some heresy here for, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a guy who works with a lot of the uh, the one number stuff. And, and one of the things that's actually, like, interesting, even when you have – when you is this player value, this player not valuable, context matters, right? So if a guy is really good because he's a really good rebounder, then, you know, rebounders, you're going to have losses because you're not going to be able to, you know, the diminishing returns as you add more of a certain thing. And, and like, if a guy's a bad defender and you put him on a team of bad defenders, then that's, that's, that's worse, right? So figuring out not just, you know, is a guy valuable, what he brings to the table, and then, like, Putting complementary skills together is interesting, you know. And, and, and the Warriors, an example is, I think the Warriors, when every player is healthy, are actually constructed in like they're, they're actually constructed in a complementary world. Like they have players that are complementary and they can do that. Now, the biggest issue with that team was they weren't necessarily playing the right guys and personality conflict. But I mean, it, it was you know, if you think about it, it, you know, if you've got Bogut and 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 Iggy to handle the uh, the defense, and you got Lee and Curry and and Clay to handle the offense, then it, it it's actually kind of nice. And again, it 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 makes it makes a difference. I think Deron Williams at this point doesn't really buy. I mean, like doesn't really. There's you know, I I always say that you, you don't really have to pay for like the uh, the small guy. And I think it's you know we got into a lot of problems with like criticizing the John Wall signing, for example. But here's the thing. There's, there's 10 other guys or 12 other guys that play the same position that brings a similar set of skills or a similar set of value to the table. So why the hell are you playing top dollar for this guy? You know, it's like it's not it's not something like it's much rarer to get like, you know, a transcendent wing or a transcendent big man. Like, you know, like little guys are, are a dime a dozen in the league. And, you know, unless you're getting Chris Paul or, or maybe Russ, and, and, and I'm, I'm, ho- I'm higher on Russ than some other people because – I actually think Russ is just kind of playing with the wrong coach in the wrong position. But but the point being, like, you know, you, you have to think about the roles and you have to think about, you know, is this something that's unique? And and getting back to the point where you're like, so David Lee, you know, David Lee can score, right? David Lee can score. David Lee can get rebounds. And David Lee has a skill that would be useful in, like, even if you put him in, like, the most skilled players, he could still get to the, he could still get to the line. He could still get to the, uh, the score some points. And efficiently, and again, he has some some drawbacks. But as long as you put the right night, right guys next to him, and I, you know, I think Iggy Bogut is a pretty good idea. Then it actually kind of works, you know. And we got way off topic from that from that Pacers Heat series because I think I think we're getting way off topic because the the, the conference finals actually are not as interesting as uh, some of his other stuff. Yeah, and it, it will be interesting to see how everything goes off. But I'm going to let you go, let you enjoy the rest of the FA Cup final. But thank you so much for taking the time. Okay, thank you, Danny. Thanks again to Arturo Galetti for coming on. You can read him at boxscoregeeks.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Arturo Galetti. That's A-R-T-U-R-O-G-A-L-L-E-T-T-I. 
really appreciated him coming on. It was fun to predict the upcoming series. And I also want to note my own predictions that I think it's going to be Spurs over Thunder in five. I think they just have too much firepower, especially with Serge Ibaka out. And it's been very depressing news just with that change because obviously that really alters the series. And Heat Pacers is harder to predict. Right now, I'm going with Heat in five. I think they're the better team, but six or seven honestly wouldn't surprise me considering how inconsistent this Pacers team is. I just think the Heat are on, and I think they have too much talent. And the other problem with the Pacers is that they, as I mentioned in the podcast, they don't have enough guys who can really create offense for themselves and others. And I guess a team like Miami that's going to get theirs, I think that's just really hard. And it, they were fortunate in who they played that they were able to, you know, get around that. But they certainly have the potential to make it a series and even win it. So I don't expect them to, but they certainly could. So thank you so much for listening. Have a couple other episodes coming down the pike. I already recorded more than an hour for an, another one of the Eliminated series, which hopefully will be out relatively soon, depending on when I can get it edited. And I'm going to try to have another regular podcast during the week, so we'll see how that all works out. And again, as I always say, comments, criticism, guest suggestions, anything like that, you can send them to me to daniel.larue at realgm.com by email, or you can send it to me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Larue, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. And you can also, just as importantly, if you're going to encourage me to for a guest, you should encourage them to come on as well. I have a really great group, and I'm working to get more people each and every day, but it's nice to get that encouragement for fans of saying, hey, you should go on this show. Uh, so if you want to do that, feel free to. And thanks again for listening. I appreciate your insight. And I also, I promise that if you sense a thing, I will do my best to follow up. Yeah, so if you have something, feel free to follow up with me. Those are conversations I enjoy having. Uh, so thank you for listening. Take care and make it a great day. you don't go to geico.com car insurance can be hard like early 90s heavy metal hard i'm yelling and screaming and i'm loud Roar. geico makes it easy you can review and update your policy or report a claim on geico.com or the geico mobile app because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives i'm not even upset about anything 